Here's what's coming up on this week's show. Yeah, I've got a PhD in in heavy metal, so that's the, that's what? the stuff. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, my PhD is national identity in northern and eastern European heavy metal. <laughs> the beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here and the lovely Claire Horsley over there. And before we go any further, don't forget whether you're here for the first time or you're not, please make sure you hit subscribe or follow so you get all the future episodes in your phone device. And don't forget to go and check out some of our back episodes too, of which there are many. And let us know what you think as well. Leave us your comments, carry on the conversation on social media, and we'll give you the links to that at the end. And of course, leave us a review, which will help to big us up in podcast land. So, Claire, I'm quite excited about this episode today. Me too. Very, very much. Very much. It's um, it's an it's, it's very it's an exciting topic, but something that's been talked about a huge amount over the last 12 months. We met someone on Clubhouse who blew our minds, and not only because made me cry. Yeah, it made you cry. It almost made me cry, to be fair, as well. Not only because he did something very unusual on Clubhouse, but then when we dug a little bit deeper and found out a bit more about him, we realised that actually what he's achieved over the last fourteen months has been pretty inspirational, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was. Yeah, wonderful to bump into him on Clubhouse, which you know is a relatively new platform for us um, as well. So it was. Yeah, it was a lovely surprise. But yeah, as you say, when we looked into what he does in a little bit more detail, um, what he's managed to achieve um, in the last twelve months has been absolutely um, outstanding, especially in a particularly challenging very challenging industry yeah so mark diggs is a musician uh he's uh, a songwriter he's uh, an arranger he runs a, a choir, choir yeah. um, and he teaches people how to play the piano and of course show business and the entertainment industry has suffered in a massive way because of the covid crisis a lot of people have lost their jobs uh but Mark decided to think about it a little bit differently and not only has he survived and earned a living through COVID with his music, he's actually earning more now than he was beforehand. Thrived, thinking outside the box, taking some bold action. So not only will we be hearing some of his piano playing chops, we'll also be finding out exactly what he's done and how you could learn from what he achieved over the last 12 months. This is the Big Little Business Show. What was your life like as a musician before COVID? So strangely, not a huge amount has changed in some ways, some aspects of what I do. And in some parts of what I do, it's exploded and it's more than it was before COVID. So I essentially have two two aspects of my work. I have a choir company called Sing United. We've got a community choir of 150 singers in Newcastle. And so I need 150 people in a room before I could even have a rehearsal, let alone putting on a concert. So that aspect changed considerably. However, when you have a community choir, that is not just a business. Yes, the singers pay me a subscription. It's more than that. It's genuinely a community vehicle, a community organisation. We do a huge amount of fundraising. We've got our own charity, the Sing United Foundation. And so when you deal with an organisation like that, a group of people like that who are just doing it for the love of it, I think you've got a duty to try and look after people in when there's a time of hardship. So I, I saw lots of choirs shut down, haven't posted on Facebook in 14 months, and I was like, not on my watch. There needed to be a way that we could keep this going. 
So we helped them get set up. We've had Zoom calls every week since. We've never stopped. We've actually raised about £9,000 for the foundation during that time without setting foot in the same room as each other. So, so, so Sing United Foundation and Sing United has never stopped. Thankfully, my online piano coaching I was doing pre-COVID anyway, that actually exploded within about a month of COVID. It was four times the size it was. Um, because suddenly everyone was sat at home and deciding, you know, what was important in their lives was to perhaps do something for them for a change. Like gigs, weddings, events, just disappeared overnight. I reckon I lost about nine grand's worth of work in 24 hours, just disappeared. Some aspects of the music industry really, really decimated. Some aspects, strangely, there are ways and means around it and some aspects have exploded. Yeah, that's, that, it's something that you've always known, something that you love to do. We never could have predicted um, what was coming up. Um, how did you feel about that at the time? How did you overcome, really, I guess, that, that shock um, and disappointment about what was happening? How did, you, how did you manage to get through that? Well, at the time, um, it, was, it was a time of great personal loss as well. So myself and my wife had just lost our baby daughter when my wife was 22 weeks pregnant. That happened the week before first lockdown. So, so the, between that and everything else, it was like, right, what, what on earth do we do now? We're trying to try and do something. God, I bet it must have felt like you were, you've been hit by a juggernaut and then another one. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not not been an easy year in so many ways. And yeah, I mean, I'm the kind of person that just sort of, I mean, my favourite TV programme is Faulty Towers. So I just like was full on Basil Faulty. Right! <laughs> I'm not having this. So... Yeah, it was a case of I need to do something with this. I need to do something with this quickly. So I remember around the day or two that it happened, I needed to go for a photo shoot with my band in Manchester. So I, and I lived just north of Newcastle. So I had like a three-hour drive And then when this was all unfolding. When I drive, I tend to have quite creative ideas. I'm like, right, what can we do? Stick some music on to figure this out. Well, I thought I'd try an experiment. I thought, what if I just get a private Facebook group? What if I put some tickets for sale on my website and say I'm going to do a pop-up piano concert? who wants to come. And if you give me a few quid, I'll send you a link to the group. And I, I made three options. I said, right, if you give me a fiver, I'll send you. Where, I'll tell you where the group is. If you give me seven quid, I'll tell you where the group is and give you a free download of me playing a tune. And if you give me 10 quid, I'll tell you where the group is and give you six downloads. Let's see what happens. Great idea. I mean, that's really, that's really thinking out the box straight off. I made 900 quid. Wow. For like an hour and a half stream from my lounge in my slippers with having a few beers. No disrespect. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic idea, but for you, that's easy money, isn't it? Oh, yeah, doddle. Like, what, a gig where I don't have to leave the house? Brilliant. 900 quid, yeah. 900 quid for an hour and a half? Yeah, any day. So um, I thought, wow, this is quite good. And what was interesting was I think it sort of caught a bit of the sort of mood of the moment in that the comments were obviously going off the chart because everyone could comment to each other whilst I was playing and I was taking requests so it was just free for all and so they were involved it was really interactive it's worth pointing out at this point uh, and perhaps we should have a little bit of a demonstration with something um, because we met Mark on Clubhouse Mark was literally taking requests from within the Clubhouse room and even songs that he didn't recognize or know he'd be popping on YouTube or Spotify listening the, to the tune and then just literally playing it back. So this is how good a musician Mark actually is. So just as a demonstration of that, Mark, <laughs> and without any editing, mm. if I threw a tune at you, 
um, would you be able to demonstrate how you just just sort of show your wares a little bit and demonstrate how you can just sort of pick up a piano and just play you know, virtually anything? Well, I mean, assuming that you're about to ask me something of, of the like the fifteen hundred tunes or something, I know then yeah, we're, we're absolutely fine. In my studio where we're uh, where I'm recording from now, I've got four albums on on my wall. I've got the album cover of Tapestry by Carol King on my wall. Okay. I've got Lady in Satin by Billie Holiday. I've got a Frank Sinatra album, and I've got the album done by Stan Getz and Joe Gilberto, which has got Girl from Ipanema on it. Um... That's so amazing. That's brilliant. So that demonstrates that just this, I think it was worth pointing out at that point, Mark, that yeah, when you went on and did these these little live concerts on Facebook Live, you literally can play a request as quickly as that. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It's something I've been doing all my life. You know, I've been playing piano since I was five, so it's it's a bit of a party trick in some ways. But I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some things in life I'm fairly awful at. But yeah, this is one thing I can do. So. Yeah, the pop-up piano concert, the first one I did was like, well, there seems to be something in this. And people were going, oh, can we do it again? Can we do it again? Because people were like, I don't know, scared is the right word, but there was like, a, like a, there was worry in the air, do you know what I mean? And so the fact that they could stay in the house, do something that they knew they weren't in any danger, they could, they were comfortable, they were warm, and they could have some banter with their friends in the comments, they, they, they wanted to do it again. So I ended up doing it like a dozen of them. And like, I didn't make 900 quid every time, but... I never made less than about four or five hundred quid, and so over the course of like six months or whatever it might have been, I pretty much made my nine grand that I'd lost back. So it was, it was, it was encouraging that if if needs be, you know, if needs must, I could sort of uh, not turn on tap, but you know, there was there was a there was a way that I could be resourceful about it. And I, what was interesting was after one or two, someone who bought a ticket from who's a, a doctor I know said, would you do another one for our staff room at the hospital? And we'll, I'll stick my phone on the hospital on the lunch break and so, with the idea of, sort of giving NHS workers a, a lift. So I said, well, wh- why would we just restrict it to your phone in your staff room? Why don't we just set up another Facebook group only for health workers? And we'll call it Pop-Up Piano NHS. Uh, and so uh, I did that, and we got about 1,300 people in this group. Um, and so every Thursday at lunchtime for about the first, I don't know, four or five months of the covid crisis i was doing like little half an hour streams every thursday lunchtime and uh, you know any health worker anywhere in, in the world was allowed to be in this group you just sort of, sort of say who you were and what organization you work for but in reality i didn't check <laughs> so <laughs> that was 1300 people so uh the the free the free streams for pop-up piano nhs were sort of keeping the momentum going for those guys as well and it just from a business point of view it was it was you know free publicity for me and uh, things came from it so uh, some local press picked up on it and BBC Newcastle asked for some a recording of me playing piano in the background whilst they covered the story. Um, I, sent, I happened to send them a recording of Local Hero by Mark Knopfler, which I do a piano version of. People were phoning in going, can we buy this as a single? So I said, well, no, no, you can't. <laughs> that doesn't exist. And they said, oh, please. So literally there was people that said, we want to buy this. Could you not do it for the NHS? So I sent Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits a, an email. <laughs> I thought why not and uh, he said yes within about a day wow so uh it was re- it was released as a single in uh, i don't know if it was about april or may time for for nhs charities together and uh, we raised about three grand for them so it was great oh wow yeah that's so cool all that came while you're driving when you're 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 in the car driving you're just coming up with an idea that can you know make you some revenue back and get you out of a potential 
financial crisis? I think it just needed a quick win. You know, my wife was at the time um, a part-time sports massage therapist. Well, that was out the window. She was a part-time supply teacher, so that was out the window. We just had this big personal loss. I'd lost suddenly loads of work um, overnight. We need a quick win. What can I do? Well, I know I play the piano. Well, I can stick a camera on it and my webcam. Let's see what happens. And uh, just sort of rolled with it, and it it was really popular. So um, you talked about your online piano courses increasing. I think it was four times, wasn't it? Four times bigger yeah, yeah. than what it was before. Um, sometimes mm. in business we have ideas and we think, oh, maybe one day I'll do that, or that's a good idea. I'm too busy, you know, haven't got time to do it now. Did any of these ideas come to you before the pandemic or did you ever envisage your business operating the way it does now or have these ideas come purely through this, you know, the situation and you really needing to think quickly? I'd ne- I don't think I'd ever consider the possibility of selling tickets for an online piano request session before the pandemic. That that was a new thing. I mean, the piano coaching had been happening for online entirely for about eight or nine months before COVID arrived. I had entirely stopped one-to-one piano teaching in person years and years ago. I kind of fell out of love with it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd certainly never considered the possibility of live stream piano concerts from my, from my lounge. I mean, that Seen, would I think I guess would have seen ridiculous pre-COVID, um, but now, yeah, I mean it's great. I mean there's a little bit of stress about you know you want the tech to work and and so on, but um, what it make what it causes stress for in that way it, it saves you loads of stress in other ways. I've, you know my my wife will get some nibbles and drinks in and she's manning the comments and you know sat in your slippers. I mean it's just easy, beautiful. <laughs> I was going to ask you actually if you had any assistance when you were doing it or are you doing the whole shebang yourself in terms of play, playing, recording, listening, reading all at the same time? Must be quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of used to it. I, I can do it on my own and I, I, I did a I did quite a few of them on my own, but. It's it's easier with Angela manning the the comments and um, have, sort of keeping the banter going whilst I'm playing. But I mean, when I do the clubhouse ones, then that's I'm doing that all on my own. But um, so I'm kind of used to it. But no, it, it is a bit easier when someone else is helping. Let's put a pin in clubhouse because I think we can come back to that because I think clubhouse has been a really really good thing for you. Let's go back to the online teaching thing because that kind of fascinates us. Because as you said at the beginning of the interview, that kind of exploded when lockdown hit as people thought about doing more things for themselves. Obviously, you had all that infrastructure in place to begin with. And having done something similar myself, I know that's a hell of a lot of work to put all that together. So you've got your website, you've got your what we call a paywall, where your paid content, your revenue creating content is hidden. Uh, You've obviously got to make all your video content um, and all those things to go with it and an email list or however you orchestrate that. So at the point when COVID hit and you saw that you were getting an uplift in people subscribing, did that have an impact? And did you have to do extra things within your structure to make sure that you coped with all that extra revenue and all that extra traffic? So this is where I shamelessly admit, or shamefully admit, it's probably more accurate, that I'm really poor when it comes to structure and, and, and um, organisation and stuff like that. I, I'm a creative person and um, having the... Um, like the notion of automations and stuff like that was not something that was my strong point at all. And that's something which I've gradually started to improve as, as time has gone. But in terms of the, the content, because it's all pre-recorded, it really makes very little difference to my workload as to whether I've got 10 people or 1,000. When I first started my online coaching before COVID, as I say, about eight or nine months pr- pr- prior to that, uh, the best piece of advice I ever got 
was people will pay to purchase something that doesn't exist yet. And when I first heard that, I thought they were talking complete madness. But what they meant was that I had, even uh, one or two years prior to that, I'd created a music theory course because I'm actually more obsessed about music theory than I am about piano. I'd made a music theory course convinced that if I could just get everyone reading a few dots, then that would open the gateways up to whatever they wanted it to be, whether it was piano or not. And of course, that was the classic business mistake. It was making a product before I knew there was a market there. And it was not niching down far enough. Because if you teach music theory with the idea and try and talk about it in your marketing with the idea that, oh, you could learn to play guitar, you could learn to sing in a choir better, you could learn to play piano, you're talking, you're trying to talk to too many people. So I, I tried to sell a music theory course. I built it. I mean, by, by God, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> I, 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 I built this fantastic music theory course and hardly anyone wants it. I mean, there was a sprinkling of people who wanted it and they realised how amazing it was, but there weren't, there weren't very many of them. So then when someone said to me, well, you really should do, do that, but with your piano stuff. Um, I was like, oh, no, but I've been through this. You know, it took me months to make all this content and blah, blah, blah. Just put it out there. Just say, oh, if, if I was to do this and it cost this, who would want it? And I literally had my piano, my first piano course on one piece of paper. And I just put a few posts out and said, right, if I was to do a six-week beginner course, cost you 29 quid, do it live in a Facebook group, who wants in? And about 30 people said yes. So suddenly there was... Oh, well, that's about 900 quid. Well, that's that's all right if I was to do that. And yeah, it's not a fortune for the amount of work it's going to cost me over six weeks. But yeah, that's there's probably some legs in that. So I did it. And obviously, I, all I did it was uh, a private Facebook group, a PayPal invoice, zero automation, all, mo- all manual. If you want to be in the Facebook group, here's the link to pay the PayPal 29 quid. And uh, like, like I say, about 30 people did it. So I did these six-week beginner courses and recorded them. And I'm still selling that course now because why wouldn't I? It's recorded. It's how you play the piano in six weeks. Well, you know, it's your your first toe dip into the world of playing piano. So that course, uh, those six recordings or whatever, is now the first part of, you know, the bigger thing that I offer, the Piano Startup Academy. It's, It's evergreen content. I don't need to do it again. I edit it, obviously, and trimmed it here and there and whatever because it was recorded live on Facebook, but it still does the job. So... That was the best piece of advice I ever got. You know, people will purchase something on the concept of what it might be. They, they, they don't need to see it yet necessarily. If you if you can convince them that what you you know what you're talking about and what and you've got the knowledge and the experience to back it up, and you and you sort of make it clear, you know, you're getting this ridiculous deal because you we're going to create it live together kind of thing. Then uh, yeah, people go for it. I think that's such a brilliant example of not overthinking something and just asking the question. If I was to do this who would be interested and as you said it was just on one sheet of paper I bet it's obviously evolved and developed from that point but that's such and yeah such a brilliant example of evergreen content as well and we hear this all the time Claire don't we about people overthinking things and and it goes back to my favorite Richard Branson quote he always says if someone asks me to do something I say yes and work out to do it afterwards and and you've done exactly that Mark rather than procrastinated and thought right okay I need to write all this six-week course I need to make all these videos it's going to take me three months before I've even earned a penny Write it down a bit of paper, Facebook Live, boom, done. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when it's your subject, you know, when it's what you know, you just know it. I mean, I, I can teach piano blindfold. I don't need any bits of paper or anything. It's just, it's just my head. But, you know, you have to try to show willing, right? So, yeah, here's the first week, six, six weeks. Honest, I've written it down. And um, it's uh, it's just a case of, yeah, absolutely, don't don't overcomplicate it. 
because as you say, when you get into paywalls and websites and membership software, oh my goodness, just months of your life just disappear. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you actually, in terms of your own investment in time for your your learnings, your self development and learning new skills, um, did you have to do that really, really quickly and was it something that you found easy to do in terms of maybe the technology that you were using? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I very much continue to learn on the job. I mean, I'm s i have used i don't know how many different video recording softwares and editing and audio routing this and different camera angles the other and oh i've been through them all and uh, yeah money just disappears and time disappears i think the hardest thing um, people might not necessarily realize just how tricky this is but probably the hardest and most time swallowing element of it all is getting a camera shot of a piano without getting too geeky and boring about this getting a camera shot in a direct straight line over the top of a piano involves endless permutations of brackets and stands and angles and trying to get the perfect shot because piano keys are quite shallow. The depth from front to back is quite small, but then it's very, very wide. So you put that on a screen, but what else is going to go in the shot? Because, I mean, that's not, that's not very much of the shot taken up. It might take it up the full width, but it hasn't done very much in the height of it. And the camera angle, you can start playing around with microphone stands and brackets on it because micro but then microphone stands might not go high enough. So then you try tripods. I've had tripods on chairs. I've had microphone stands on chairs. And then there's the idea of, well, is the camera going to come over the back of you as I'm sat at it? Well, if it is, I'm going to constantly knock the stand. I was like that for months. I was constantly knocking my shot. And then, so I've just had an office converter in my garage and now I've got a permanent setup and oh my goodness, it's so much, so much time is being saved because, because it's, 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 it's bracketed onto the wall. So the camera is, the camera shot is 180 degrees wrong. And then in the editing software, you turn it around. And what's great about what you said about all that stuff and putting the cameras in and now, now setting you up with your own sort of purpose built studio so you can just go in, switch the light on and turn the kit on and get on with it. Uh, all that learning process you've done on the go. So you started out with a piece of paper, you started out with an idea, and it's now transformed into you having a purpose-built studio. Um, but all that has happened while you've been earning money. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, the trouble is people, and you know, it's maybe it's part of human nature, we want to have it all set, or perfect, or measured, good to go. But the time that it takes to get to that point, and let's be honest, business evolves and changes anyway. So you're never sure exactly what direction it's going to take. But yeah, is kudos to you. I think it's brilliant. Thank you. I, I think it's the kind of thing that you just don't realise quite how much you've done until you take a moment to look back at it. But, but yeah, when you put it back to that, it's a bit of a paper compared to now. Yeah, it's it's a huge, huge amount of time. But you know, when you're a one man operation, you don't have a team, you don't have a tech team. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about is Clubhouse because that's how we bumped into you in the first place. Uh, let's just do a little bit of a brief explanation about what Clubhouse is for anyone who hasn't already used it yet. You go into different rooms and it's audio only. You get to talk to whoever's in the room. You get invited up on stage and you can get involved in the conversation or you can stay off a virtual stage and be part of the audience. We have a, an episode all about Clubhouse. Go and search it out and have a listen if you want to find find out more about how it works. But I went into a room and just bumped into Mark, who was happily playing piano for uh, whoever wanted to listen and uh, getting requests and do it, doing his thing. And when this Clubhouse thing started to blow up, Mark, it must have been like a gift from the gods for you. 
it's funny you should <laughs> say <laughs> funny you should say that. So my initial reaction was that sounded like absolutely everything I wanted to avoid. What I think what put me off at first, I'm quite introverted. I find small talk quite difficult. What sounded like, oh yeah, you can just go and network with loads of people, sounded like a nightmare to me. That I, I, but then when I realised there was a button called leave quietly, suddenly my interest was peaked a bit. Um, <laughs> so what I can I can get out without having to tell you when I'm going. Brilliant. At first, I remember the first time I went on, I had loads of people saying, oh, you should try it, Mark. And the first time somebody spoke to me, she, she like pinged me into a closed room, to use the terminology, um, which was just obviously me and her, like friends, was going to show me how to use it. And I was in bed. It was about 10 o'clock at night. I'm sat on the cup of tea with my wife. And this voice spoke to me and I dropped my phone. <laughs> it is really weird. But then I sort of, I decided that I would give it a few weeks of experiments because I started to sort of see the possibilities. And uh, my social following on Clubhouse is ginormous compared to every other platform I've tried for years. So I, I looked the other day, Twitter has taken me 12 years to get to 600 followers. And Clubhouse, I got 1,800 followers in three months. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. What you offer on Clubhouse is unique. I haven't come across anyone else on Clubhouse who does what you do. Oh, I love it. And when you turn up into a room where you're used to hearing lots of people talking and invariably talking about themselves, and you jump into a room and you hear someone playing the piano, well, straight away, what's going on here? Yeah, and I've, I've started playing as I speak now. So even if I'm answering questions or giving my opinion on something, I'm playing at the same time. That really throws people because they think it's a recording. <laughs> so, so so then I have to deliberately make mistakes. So I go, yeah. No, it is really... So I'm like playing it. So, so yeah. So yeah, I just uh, really think this about my business and I'd like to give you my opinion about it, my business. But no, this really is me. And then... I didn't realise. People are like, oh, but that's a recording when you're speaking. No. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, that's a very good point, actually, to just uh, make sure that you're not having a backing track as you're talking, because that is what it sounds like. And yeah, I've heard you in the clubhouse room as well, and I'm just blown away consistently. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Out of interest, yesterday I tried an experiment. So I opened a room and just played a recording of my two solo piano albums in it and didn't say anything to see what would happen. All right. And uh, so I just had this room running for an hour and a half and didn't say anything. And I had a steady sort of about 10 or 15 people listening, which I thought was quite quite good for not saying anything. Anyway, mm. I've got a client client out of it already. We're just playing one of, just playing one of your albums. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't. I, I was working at the same time. I didn't have to do anything. Do, do, do you know what consistent message I keep getting from, from you, Mark, is you just go for it and you go, oh, hang on, I'll try that. I'll try this. I'll try that. Um and it just goes to show this is something we've talked about, Paul, before a lot, actually, is when you're an entrepreneur and a business owner is consistently thinking outside the box and just try it because what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work, move on, try something else. And it's also the fear of failure as well, Mark, which obviously is not something that's on your radar because a lot of people would hesitate to do those kind of things. Well, what if it doesn't work? But you've just gone and done it anyway. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter, does it? I just won't do it again. Moving moving on then. So what does the future look like for yourself, Mark? Are you going to be looking at continuing to create a passive income from this or is your goal to return back to the way that you're working before or maybe a bit of both it's gonna be a bit of both i mean the quiet in united will definitely as soon as possible get back to how it was before i mean there's nothing quite like 150 people singing in a room uh for an audience of five or six hundred or whatever it might be you can't replicate that online much as we've tried um, um but in terms of the piano coaching yeah online all the way for me i've just launched my new piano startup academy which is my 90-day beginner program i've really that is my priority now 
I've stated a public mission to get as I want a million people to play, start accessing piano as a result of me. But you know, by being able to do it online, which you know, thankfully I was doing before COVID, but COVID certainly given an extra kick uh, and boost to. Uh, yeah, let's get as many people taking those first steps as possible. And if they want to become great at it, then we can have another conversation. But let's just get people playing. Maybe business owners who are listening who are thinking it may be now the time to look at different options, maybe explore different avenues to how they deliver the service, uh, their own service themselves within their own industry. Um, have you got maybe, Mark, top, uh, top, top three tips, let's say, Um maybe what you could share to help them kind of make that next step to explore different avenues? Well, I think as we've already touched upon, like if you don't try, you've got no idea. So you, you, there has to be an element of being prepared to fail. I think people are come, come at this from a different angle. You know, some people are great planners and like to have everything mapped out. I'm a terrible planner. I've got a creative brain. Just let's do it and then I'll figure it out on, on, as I go. That's not to say that's the right way for everyone, but that is certainly how my brain works. And when you're quite a sort of creative person, I think there's an element of, you know, that can often be a recurring theme or a personality trait. I think that another one is to not assume that your customers won't come with you um, when you try something new. It would have been very, very easy for me to assume that 150 people, many of whom are in the comfortably in the second half of their lives, would not have responded well to coming on a Zoom call to, to have a virtual choir every week. And it and don't get me wrong, it was quite tricky for the first few weeks. But they did it. And now they come on Zoom calls without even thinking about it. So don't make assumptions about your customer base. You know, try it. Try it. And you know, help go over and above and deliver. But um, don't don't assume that they won't do things. So, yeah, I don't know if I've smuggled three to I've numbered your tips for you there because there you go. You say I just started I just started talking and hope for the best. But um, the, the, it all made perfect sense. Just need before we go any further, and you just need to say thank you for joining us today. It's been really interesting listening to how you've pivoted and changed what you do over the last fourteen months or so, and it just proves that. Uh, I know a lot of people in the music industry and in the sort of the show business industry, for that matter, um, have really struggled over the last 14 months. Uh, and it just proves that with a little bit of outside the box thinking that actually there are ways you can make this industry work and make money from it. So, yeah, kudos to you for uh, for thinking outside the box and mm, just going absolutely. for it. It's brilliant. Thank you. So we always like to finish off with a set of questions. We usually have the same questions, although we've got some new ones at the moment. And I've, I've put a few special ones in for you, Mark. Uh, it's just sort of regular <laughs> okay. questions that we ask, all inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actors Studio. Uh, some of them we've been we've had some of these questions now for over a year and they always give us some great answers. So I'm going to find off with the first one mark what style of music do you like to play the most for yourself ah well that's a tough one because so i'm really into extreme heavy metal and the piano doesn't really do that i do, i am in a couple of metal bands and projects who are reasonably well known but i don't talk about very often um see you didn't do your research on that <laughs> but, <laughs> that's kind of a surprise no and i did i did see some stuff on your website about that about working with uh yeah sort of um thrash metal bands and yes yeah, some of the scandinavian bands you've worked with in the past um, uh, am i right in thinking yeah, yeah. so uh, how do you play that stuff on a piano well you don't really um so uh, i tend to listen to that constantly um and when i play i play but um yeah, I've got a PhD in in heavy metal, so that's the, that's what? the stuff. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, my, my but you could do you could you must be able to do like piano versions of stuff like Enter Sandman or that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, I do piano. I do some Metallica stuff and like Foo Fighters and Soundgarden and 
As long as it's got a melody, I can do it. But yeah, my PhD is National Identity in Northern and Eastern European Heavy Metal. Wow. Soundgarden. So like, how would Spoonman sound on a piano? I don't think I've ever played Spoonman, but I do play um, Black Hole Song. Oh, that works. Beautiful tune. Sometimes with some of that Soundgarden stuff and Audio Slave and all those kind of bands, you don't even really notice that there's a melody there, but some of it is really melodic, isn't it? Tremendous Singer, the first Chris Cornell solo album, I think is a real classic. I think that's... Is that the one with the Billie Jean cover on it? Uh, no, it was before that. It's called uh, Morning... Uh, uh, Euphoria Morning. Euphoria Morning, it's called. Oh, I'm going to check that out. That, that is, I think, where Chris Cornell's voice was at its peak. Um, OK, uh, if you could play to anybody at all, whether they be... Well, sorry, dead or alive, but actually alive at the time that you're playing to them, who, <laughs> who would it be? Uh, my favourite... TV personality, without any question, Judge Judy. Oh, really? <laughs> she is literally my second favourite woman on the planet. So that's someone you could play to. What about someone you could play with? That's hard, man. That's a hard question. I'm going to go for Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's yeah. a good. That's a good call. Or, be, or Ben Folds. Oh, I love Ben Folds. Yeah, I... yeah Ben Folds is great. You'd, you'd have fun playing yeah. with him. Oh, I love Ben Folds, yeah. What's, there's a song, now um, I must admit, um, I do dabble around on the piano um, uh, uh, and there's one song that I tried to play of his and I just haven't got the chops for it. I can't play it and I can't remember which one it is. Uh, it's Jack and Sarah. Oh, no, no, it's called Zach and Sarah. Zach and Sarah, that's it, that's the one. Yeah, that's the... Um... It's got something like that, isn't it? True story, right? I was at a wedding fair uh, about a few years ago and because I used to do a lot of those to try and, try and get gigs and stuff. This couple came up to me and it turns out they were called Zach and Sarah. <laughs> so I get really, really excited. I'm so giddy. Like of all the random pairings of names, right? Zach and Sarah. So I said, oh, well, clearly, you know, you have to have at your wedding the song Zach and Sarah. But um, the whole point of the lyrics of Zach and Sarah is that Zach is spelt without a C. It's Z-A-K. And Sarah spelt without an H, S-A-R-A. So I'm now getting beyond myself with excited and said, can I just ask you before you tell before we go any further, I have to clarify this. How do you spell your name? How do you spell your name? (laughs) And he said, it's said it's a bit unusual actually, it's Z-A-K. And I'm like, no, no. So of course, so of course now (laughs) I'm now on the past the point of no return. (laughs) Because how how unusual is it for a Zach to be spelt Z-A-K? Yeah. So I, so I then looked at her and I said the immortal words, Sarah, if your name is spelt in this following format, I will play your wedding for free. Really? Yeah, right. and she said, right. So I said, how, how do you spell Sarah? And it had an H oh. on it. Oh, gutted. So I, they were totally blissfully unaware of the song, Zach and Sarah, wow. of which the lyrics are, Sarah spelt without an H was getting bored on a PV amp in 1984, while, while Zach without a C tried out some new guitars mm-hmm. playing Sarah with no H's favourite song. Really good lyrics on this song. Yeah. 
And, but so I didn't play their wedding. And they, to this day, I still don't know if they had Zach and Sarah the song at their wedding because <sighs> they didn't hire me. I was gutted. That's a great story. That's a great story. Well, Mark, thank you very, very much. That was entertaining. That was fun. It was interesting. And got to hold my hands up to you. You're inspirational for what you've achieved over the last 14 months or so and how you've just had the balls to just go and try all this stuff. And it's you know, some of it's worked, some of it hasn't. But I think there's a real lesson to learn there for uh, people who may be a little bit sort of hesitant about trying new things. Just got to go out there and do it. And you know, it, it, sometimes it'll work, sometimes it doesn't. But if it works, yeah, you know, it could turn into gold. And yeah, Mark, you're a really, really good example of that. And I think this might be the only episode we've ever done on the podcast, Claire, that comes with a playlist. I think so. <laughs> yes. Yes. We have a page on our website uh, for every episode of the show. So I think we will certainly be uh, adding some uh, things uh, that we've talked about in the show. Uh, as a playlist on the show so you can go and check out some of the songs that we've mentioned. I wonder if we might be able to arrange something so you can play us out as well uh, and maybe do a sort of a, a piano version of our theme tune. Absolutely, why not? Let's do it. Okay, cool. So, uh, all right, so let's wrap up by asking if you can sort of share some details. So how, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I've just set up uh, my new website so people can access my Piano Startup Academy. You just need to go to thatpianoguy.club thatpianoguy.club and you can see all the information there. I'll get you playing piano, the music you love, in 90 days. This is The Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. fine example of what can be achieved just by thinking outside of the box and every time he plays it just completely mesmerizes me but especially what I really loved was the fact that he connects with people's emotions as to why they would like to learn to play the piano as opposed to just pushing the keys and bashing out a tune yeah and check this out behind us right did with Mark was said to him would you be able to play our theme tune I played him literally about 30 seconds of it and straight off the back he's doing this oh, it's just how it's so quick <laughs> isn't it it's so quick very 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 talented but musicianship aside what he's done is very very clever but he's obviously got the balls to be able to say right let's just give this a go and we'll see what happens and I think that's a real lesson to learn I, it's just inspiring I don't use that word loosely but it is just absolutely inspiring and his passion for what he does just clearly shines and um, I feel very grateful to yeah have had him on the show and, and listened firsthand to some more of his music could have sat here all day listening to him and you, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we could have gone on forever. We're, today's episode, heavily edited because we were talking about all kinds of things and going off on all different <laughs> yeah. musical tangents. What was really interesting about the conversation was that it wasn't about what I expected it to be about, which was talking about how he set up the website and how he managed to monetize the website so people could pay him for his courses and uh, filming the videos, although we touched on that a little bit. All those things aside, he didn't really have a clue about how to do any of that stuff. He learned as he went along. So like I think I said in the interview, it's not as if he thought, right, I need to do this. I'm going to stop for six months, learn how to do it all and then start earning money. He just, with no experience whatsoever, he just got on and did it. But this is the thing about overthinking what you're doing. And we've talked about this before, haven't we? That we, we just so often want to strive for perfection, test it, measure it, review it and do it again and again and again but actually just grabbing the ball by the horns 
and going for it. Um, yeah, Mark's a, a prime, ex- pure, pure prime <laughs> example of that. Sorry, I'll do that again. <laughs> I've just taken. <laughs> Oh, I'm just taking some tablets. They've gone smeared. Right. <laughs> what kind of tablets have you taken? <laughs> it makes you sound like I'm taking drugs. I should rephrase that. <laughs> I'll do that again. I've just taken some tablets. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's not that kind of podcast. Can I just say, I mean, even though it's a Friday, it's not that kind of podcast. Oh, they worked really quick all of a sudden. They don't normally take effect. <laughs> <laughs> you could be sending me some of these. <laughs> they don't take effect normally for half an hour. Right. Okay. What were we saying? Okay. So, so often, stop laughing at me. <laughs> you know I'm keeping that in, don't you? Oh, gosh, yeah, probably. Mark is um, just a prime example of actually so often we can overthink what we're doing. We want it to be perfect before it goes out, but actually just going for it. What's what's the worst that can happen? You know, we're never sure of what the outcome can be. And I think sometimes we can almost kid ourselves that the outcome is maybe going to be a negative outcome. But if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, you know, we can try something else. And yeah, Mark's a great example of that. Yeah, he's a real inspiration. And I hope you've uh, been inspired by what he's uh, explained and how we did things. And it sort of made you think about, I just got to go out and do it and just make it happen. And I wonder, Claire, whether this is something we need to sort of dip into again and dip into people who have made the uh, industry, uh, the music industry or the entertainment industry, all these industries that have apparently struggled. I mean, the press will tell you, the media will tell you that all these industries have died over the last 14 months. But here's a good example of, someone who's actually made that work and I'm sure there are other examples of that certainly in the music industry of people who have made uh, made the, made it work and they haven't had to go and sort of drive cabs yeah absolutely and you know we, we see you know several examples of that and it's in, in such a difficult when you find yourself in such a difficult place um, and to you know as Mark said you know that time of despair and getting over that shock just to get up and and get going my goodness it's not easy but it can be done yeah so go and seek him out on clubhouse and if you jump into a room with him you're going to be in for a real treat now we're happy to say adam daniel is back we missed him last month but adam joins us regularly after fulfilling his addiction to business and self-development books with a few top reads to inspire us and help our businesses think big I have three brilliant books that I would love to share with you this month. The first one is The Elements, How Finding Your Passion Changes Everything by Sir Ken Robinson. Now, you may well have heard of this book. It's a reasonably famous book and it's been around for a few years now. However, this book provides a real platform for your future, believe me. It is essential reading for anyone who has children, anyone who might have an unfulfilled dream of some kind, or anyone who just wants to go out there and and live their life. Because this book really helps you uncover what your passion truly is. And it also gives you tools and techniques to help you understand how to embrace and cultivate that passion and to lead a truly fulfilling life. So this book, 100% recommend for anyone out there who's feeling a little bit lost at the moment. This will help you find your way, guaranteed. The second book is called Altered Traits by Dr. Daniel Goleman and Dr. Richard Davidson. This book in essence is about meditation. Yet, if you're sitting there thinking meditation isn't for you, hold that thought. This book takes all the current research and shows us why meditation is so powerful and what it can really do for the brain, the body 
and the mind. It also sweeps away any of those common misconceptions around neuromythology, around meditation. If meditation has been something you've been thinking about for a while, yet thought it's a bit woo-woo maybe, then again, I would recommend reading this book because it will change your mind and it will allow you to understand why building a meaningful meditation practice into your daily routine is worthwhile and is beneficial for your business growth and for your personal health and well-being. My final book is Changemaker by Dr. John Berardi. Dr. John Berardi does come from the world of health and fitness and he built a multiple seven-figure business within the health and fitness world. In fact, I think it may even have been an eight-figure business in the health and fitness world, which he sold recently. However, that doesn't mean this book is just for people in health and fitness. This book exceeded all my expectations and it was like a complete roadmap to achieving my ambitions, if you like. So if you're out there and you're growing your business at the moment, I would highly recommend this because this looks and digs deep into what is your drivers, what's your motivations, what is your vision, your missions. It creates roadmaps. It answers all those little questions that might be in the back of your head about growing a business into a global brand, potentially. Those are my three recommended books for this month. If you do read any of them, please do share with us. Let me know what you think. And I will see you all next month. So thanks for listening for today. And oh, do you want to finish this one off, Claire? I don't know. I'm not with it at all. <laughs> Are you going to be able to do it or are the drugs going to get in the way? I don't know. I'll give it a go. <laughs> Got a sweat on now and everything because I've been laughing so <laughs> this much. This is too much information. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to hear any more of our episodes, please do come and find us at thebiglittlebusinessshow.co.uk or alternatively, you can also find us on LinkedIn um, and Facebook too. And of course, if you want to get regular updates of exactly what we're doing, then you can subscribe to our newsletter and you can do that by going to the website biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk with better go before uh, Claire tips us over the edge. Say goodbye, Claire. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. 